fight me. You don't want no problems at your party, don't invite me. I don't worry about you niggas, please stop talking about me. Always talking about me cause you looking for the clouds. Six Nina, the Nina, riding in a two-seater with two Ninas. Baby, got that Aquafina, it's cocaine, smoking on that OG Reefer, no TMZ. Fugiados on the bench, fuck, make a friend's fuck. Told her she could get Chanel and she let my friend's fuck. Star shining in the Rolls Royce, ain't got red butts. Wait, hold up. Nah, I still don't give a fuck. Vroom, vroom, G5. Vroom, vroom, we high. You the type of nigga that I never want to be like. You the type of bitch that will never get a reply. I hate her, bye, I hate her. Vroom. And she like, I do Yo, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up? It's your boy Lewis Black coming to you with another podcast. Today, we're going to talk about an album that in a lot of standards and expectations basically wound up going not double platinum, but double wood. Reason why we came up with that term a long time ago in the rap community about double wood is because they really based your album sales and the worth of your val- album sales off of um, what you could trade in the, ma- the name material for. Like, for instance, if you go gold, it's like, wow, look what you can do with gold. But then a very, very popular metal came out, which was platinum. That's why if you think about it back in the days, a lot of times rappers were rocking that platinum And then after a while, Platinum itself just kind of died down and they decided to make things more relatable by just wearing gold jewelry. 
This album has done neither, and it's nowhere, nowhere, nowhere near gold. We're talking about, as you can tell from the title, your boy, Takashi 6 9 And I noticed that lately he's just been going under 6 9 So it makes me wonder if it's a thing where, being that he's not dealing with a certain label and certain management, if he fucked around and kind of sold off the rights or had the rights as far as his name under Takashi, and now he has to go under 6 9 Kind of like how Snoop Doggy Dog or should we say Snoop Dogg used to be Snoop Doggy Dogg during the Death Row era. But then once he got with No Limit and once he ventured off and started doing his own thing with other labels, ever since then, he's been known as Snoop Dogg. And then as of recently, was able to get his old music still published under his newer name, Snoop Dogg. So 6 9 so that I can halfway put some respect on this man's name, 6 9 dropped an album called Tattletales. And we're going to go down the reasons why this album went wood. Now, it went wood in the sense of the first week coming out, it was projected to do about 150 grand, which is good nowadays considering what has gone on with the music industry. We're not going to go down that road like that because if you're listening to this, this is for my people that are up on game. You already know now that it's really just about streams and maybe selling a few albums here and there on iTunes and people actually having faith in you to spend $9.99 digitally so that they can have their own copy, which that's really even dying down thanks to apps like Tidal and Spotify and so forth to where fuck it. The price that you pay for one album, you can just pay that monthly ongoing them taking it straight up out of your debit card and let that be the reason you've got access to every album new old whatever and if you really like it you can actually save it into your own playlist and access it or if you don't even feel like saving it to your albums list just fuck it it's as simple as you just keep on typing in that artist's name and keep on just pulling up his albums and keep on banging it so for whatever it's worth the boy only sold 55,000 copies the first week now one of the reasons why they were projecting 150,000 and this is something that we're going to speak on which is they were basing it off of the bundling deal which is merchandise included. Nicki Minaj had a problem a few years ago where she kind of tried to do the same thing. Now, mind you, she did way more than that her first week. And I hate to say it because I hate to be comparing men against women, but even with her album, Queen, which wound up not doing as good as the other ones, even her album had more content and more bangers than this one did. And it's funny how we mention that because as you can see, I played the song that was featuring her during the beginning, but she was mad because Travis Scott did a little bit better. I think both of them were doing merchandise, but somehow, some way, whether it was tickets or whatever, he wound up beating her and she was a little salty about that. So Six Nine decided to throw in some merchandise along with some purchases, which basically sweetened the pot which is okay if you buy some merchandise 
what we'll do is we'll include a digital copy of the album. So you buy the merchandise, you have already bought a copy of the album as well. So I don't know if it was some sweatshirts or some hoodies or whatever, but basically it's like you buy this hoodie, you also just bought an exclusive copy of this album. I don't know if maybe it was a deluxe version with maybe more songs on it or whatever, but that was the deal. So they count that nowadays as pure album sales. Then you have to stream. And with you streaming, if you get so many streams, you wind up basically getting that counted as an album sale. And once again, let's go to the computer. Let's look this up because it's all about us learning. Let's go to the Internet and let's see how many streams count as an album sale. Let's type that in. How many streams count as a sale? All right, Billboard decides. This is according to Google. Well, I guess when you got Google, baby. Billboard decides 1,250 streams equals one album sale. So long as the listener was paying. And when they say so long as the listener was paying, looks like what that means is if you're somebody like me, where you were paying because you have a pay subscription through title or you have a pay subscription through Spotify or you're basically using some type of streaming platform that is charging you to have it. Like literally, if you don't pony up on your monthly bill, let that be the reason you cannot listen to music until you pay that monthly subscription. So all he needed was people to listen to it 1,250 times and that was going to count as a sale. So, we're going to really get down to it. 29,000 physical streams. No, uh, um, album sales. Now, I'm going to show y'all something about the game. We're going to talk about that first. Because something that surprised me is for his sales to be that low, being that they were mainly streams, it makes me wonder if that new record label fucked around and bought some of this merchandise or, i.e., bought some of these albums. I did the math, and the reason why I had to do this math is because 29,000 physical album sales is kind of weak, you know, saying for what it's worth, but he started comparing himself to everybody. Rather than taking accountability, he started comparing himself to some of his competitors, such as people like um, Trippy Red, Blueface, Lil TJ, and Lil Durk. And he was pulling up the numbers saying that somebody like Blueface had 14,000 um, actual sales. Or should, what are we calling it now? Natural sales? Natural sales, all right? So then he compared to how another guy only had 1,000, another guy only had 2,000. But the thing is, these people, music is bumping a little bit harder. So they probably still are going to wind up dogging him as far as the actual listens. So I added it up. I said 29,000 and I was like, let's be generous. Let's just say that we're charging $9.99 for the album. Let's just say that for a sweet price of $9.99, you are buying an album and you're buying a t-shirt or you're buying a little hoodie or something like that. 
I realized that comes up to $289,000, $289,710. So $289,710. I'm kind of suspect on that. I'm wondering if the label bought that because they wanted to boost up album sales. Because this is an old school trick in the game. Let me learn y'all. A long time ago, especially when dealing with either a new artist or an artist that's on shaky grounds, what the label would do was during the first week, they would actually scan CDs and sales. This is back when CDs were out. So the record label would in sense maybe buy 500 copies of the album scanned barcode boom they're coming in so they can say look at it within about three or four days this first week our artists has went gold we're number two number three on the billboard charts right now for the week and then that would get people's attention and then people would say well damn if this album has already went gold how come i'm one of the only sorry sap suckers that doesn't have a copy of this album so then people would start naturally gravitating and buying the CD to see what the hype was about. And even though the record label came out of some money buying these 500,000 CDs, they would still wind up recouping a little bit once people started buying them on their own. Now, you ask, so what happened to these 500 CDs that these record labels used to buy? Simple. They're putting the artists on the road. Back then, as an artist, it wasn't no sitting up on your ass and just letting your music play or whatever. Usually, the first couple of weeks that your album was out, your ass was on the road. They call it a promo tour. You're out there performing. You're going from city to city. You're uh, touching hands, kissing hands, kissing babies. You're out there just like a president that's trying to get elected. You're, get, you're, you're campaigning so that you can be elected to be selected so those same cds that they just bought they would load them up and put that out with the artists so let's say that you are someone that went to mc assholes concert during his first few weeks of his album being out and you happen to get lucky because he's just passing out the album those are copies that are already paid for so now those five hundred thousand copies by the time he gets done doing his 30 city tour promoting that trash ass album there's probably about 450,000 people that have copies of the album in their hand just let that be the reason they didn't have to go to Best Buy or Target to buy the album but in a sense it's still a win-win because they put money in your pocket because what they did is they didn't pay $9.99 for that CD which is either good or not, but they did, they did pay $20, $25, or $30 to get up in that stadium or that club or whatever to see the artist perform. It's not like that nowadays. Nowadays, everything is streaming. So I think they bought up those copies to make it sound good. I'm pretty sure that in good faith, there are some fans that probably really still believed in him and bought the shirts, bought the merchandise, bought the album or whatever. Now, 29,000 minus the 55. All right, that means there's 26,000. So we're going to take 26,000 
and we're going to divide that up by 1250 worth of streams all right that comes up to 20.8 so 20.8 so it looks like 20,000 so it looks like as far as streams went this is double back to make sure we're doing the math so 21,000 streams times 1250 yep that's giving me my 26 so view wise that's weak that means that it was about 20,000 people in this whole world that decided to just give it a listen and give it a world a lot of people have turned their back on him a lot of people have turned their back on him because they don't believe in the fuckboy shit that he did. A lot of people have probably heard through word of mouth, just like now you're hearing through word of mouth that the shit is garbage. So they're really just not wanting to waste their time because nowadays, with the way that these platforms are set, are set up, you're not necessarily asking the customer to spend their money. But you are asking them to spend their time to just listen to your album and like me because I listen to it I'm going to tell you right now the songs that you're going to hear you heard the first one which is literally my favorite song on there Trolls and that's kind of sad because with that one I feel like what happened is since he did that song Fifi with Nicki Minaj the last turnaround I know that usually unless you're just going to keep on paying that artist it's usually a trade for a trade. That's why back in the days, if you would see two artists get together, you would notice two different collabos on two different albums. For instance, you see that Jay-Z and DMX got together for Money Cash Hoes back in 98. Then you turn around and you listen to one of DMX's 98 albums and you see that Jay-Z is right there. That's what you call a trade for a trade. You do a feature on mine, I'll do a feature on yours. And I'm pretty sure nine times out of ten, that's what wound up happening. And that song, Trolls, it really sounds like that was supposed to be a Nicki Minaj song. The production sounds more like the type of production that Nicki Minaj has on deck. And I don't know if that was 6ix9ine during the hook because the voice seems so different. It makes me wonder if that was somebody else doing it. But point blank, the way she ripped it, she ripped it as if it was something that was meant to be on her album. And she showed up and she showed out. And it seems like she did more than 16. And she, it seems like she spazzed off for a good 24 and she ate that motherfucker. And she kept that song alive. And during the video, considering that she had her ass out, she threw on some pasties. So she basically pulled her titties out. It took this woman pulling her ass out, pulling her titties out during the video and coming with a hot ass verse. One of the hottest verses definitely that she's dropped this year and that we've heard over the past year or so for that song to be a success and shouts out to whoever made the beat. So he wound up being a guest star on his own song. The other song that you'll wind up hearing is Gooba. Gooba was just that classic 6ix9ine style. Hard ass beat. And I could tell that it was one of the last few beats that he got 
from his old producer. So when you listen to this album, you're not going to hear some of that same old production. And I tried to tell people, but people wouldn't listen to me. I tried to tell people, yeah, shouts out to him. But I was like, it's his delivery and it's whoever that producer is. Whoever that producer is, that's the person that needs some shine. Once again, let's go to the database. Who helped produce? We're going to do a lot of research on this show. Who helped produce the majority of six nines last two albums? Because when you listen to his music, and this is not coming from some crazy ass hater. I listen to music and I can tell when you're using the same producer over and over. We're going to look this up. I'll just say this. Who produced Stupid for six Nine. All right, stupid song by America was released commercially. Do 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 do. Produced by Tay Keith. Tay Keith. That's all we needed to know. I apologize to my listeners for slowing down the flow of the show. I was, I was just really curious because I was just like, I can tell that this is one guy, and I can tell that I had never heard of him. And looks like Tay Keith, and we're going to check him out. We're going to click on him. And we're going to see what his production credits look like. Because I'm willing to bet money that he has produced a lot of songs for this guy. It looks like he's from Memphis, which explains how he was able to give that southern sound to a New Yorker. He's also uh, helped out Travis Scott. He's worked with Beyonce, worked with a few people, Look Alive, Nonstop. Stupid, 6ix9ine. I'm looking to see how many 6ix9ine joints he has. All right. He doesn't have the same producers, and you can tell. It was just really lacking and lagging that original sound that made him hot. Because the first few albums... Even the songs that didn't become videos, they kind of had a move and they kind of had like a good feel to them or whatever. So he definitely doesn't have that core production that he used to have back in the days and it showed. Another thing that he did is he tried to take this reggaeton approach because I told everybody and everybody thought that I was on drugs when I said that he is not going to be able to talk that same gangster shit. Now that you have seen him in a full suit, pointing at people and naming names you're not going to believe all that rah-rah shit that he was putting out back in 2017 and 2018 you're not going to feel it you're not going to want to hear it and he attempted to try to keep it real he did a remake of locked up where they basically took the same damn beat i'm talking about they did not try to redo this beat they did not try to reflip it they did not try to sample it and throw some new drums on it and I feel like the only reason why they got away with doing it like that, because the only time that you can just take the beat as is, is if you're doing a mixtape that is for promotional use only. I feel like the only reason why they got away with it is because he threw Akon on there. 
And at first I thought that he had just sampled the Akon hook, but then you could tell that Akon was really on there because Akon threw in a few new words on the hook. So I guess Akon was like, fuck it, I'll do you a favor because you're pretty much blackballed. Nobody's really fucking with you. I'll show up. And Akon showed him some love and showed up for two cuts. The locked up one was straight because you could tell that he was trying to tell his story of being in jail and missing his baby mama and missing his kid and missing his mother and then he did another joint for the chicks which was a flop which had Akon on it and even with Akon being on it it was just shitty and the majority of the album was shitty and I feel like shame on him do not sit up here and try to throw other rappers in here and try to compare their natural album sales or whatever because their little natural album sales was people buying merch people doing whatever if they had little bundle deals or people just believing in them enough to buy their shit off of iTunes or wherever you can actually buy a CD at if they're still printing out CDs but their streams are going to be the bomb as long as their music is the bomb because what happens is you can get a lot of streams off of hype the bigger your name is the more streams you're guaranteed because even someone like me I listened not because I was expecting to just hear the album of the year, like when I pop on some Lil Wayne or the new Nas or something like that. Shouts out to Nas, King Disease was a good album, definitely worth checking out. It was more curiosity. It was more, let me see what you're talking about. And a lot of people saw what he was talking about and it was a disappointment. The name alone, Tattle Tales, you're trolling us. You're making fun of the 20-something brothers that you got locked up. Because I don't care what nobody says. A lot of people be like, well, you know, they fucked his baby mama and all this and that. This set the record clear. There was only one person that that slept with his baby mother. And they're saying allegedly that might have been shoddy himself. Okay, so that's one person out of like 20-something people. Okay, they say that a few people kidnapped him. Okay, that's two or three people. So let's just break it down. What about the other um, 15 to 16 people? What the fuck did they do to you? He was naming people like Jim Jones and Cardi B, and I hate to be repeating myself because I know I mentioned this during an earlier podcast several months ago. He was starting to name everybody. That's when it started looking crazy. He started naming people that weren't even in the gym shooting that day. He was naming people that had just jaywalked in 2014. So it's like, nah, you're a snitch and you're doing gangster rap. It's like maybe if you was an R&B singer or maybe if you were an original reggae tone singer, people would be able to look past that. But no, you decided to enter into the realm of something that was created in the late 80s by the great N.W.A. and people after that, which is gangster rap. You decided to be a gangster rapper. And gangster rappers don't do things like that. A real gangster just takes their time. But they hit him with something. They, they threw historical numbers at him, which broke him. They threw 40 or 50 years at him, and it's like, hold up. I'm already 20-something, and you trying to throw damn near 50 years at me? So I might not get out of here until I'm 70-something years old? Mm-hmm. The system broke his ass down. And then he thought, okay, well, I'm going to come back and I'm going to bounce back because my fan base is a whole bunch of teenagers and people that don't trip off of shit like that. But what happened is during that time, while he was sitting up in the joint, a lot of folks have gotten woke. 
A lot of folks have realized that he was a part of what they call cultural appropriation. And this album really was a slap in the face because with the first few albums, even though he did one or two little reggaeton joints on there, it was kind of like, okay, he's down with hip hop. He's down with hip hop. He's down with the format of a hard beat or a smooth beat, whatever, and doing 16 bars, 16 bars, hook, 16 bars, hook, 16 bars, hook, whatever, whatever. He was down with that format. He was what you would call a rapper. And people took him in as a rapper. He didn't, he's not Daddy Yankee. Right? He didn't come out doing reggaeton and became known as a reggaeton artist. No. Mm-mm. Cultural appropriation. You decided to hop into this culture and we allowed you in this culture. And the first thing you did, 6ix9ine, was you sat up here and you took the whole black hip hop culture, you know, the way you're dressing, the way you're talking, the way you're letting that N word fly, like it's the only language in your, like it's the only word in your vocabulary. Then, when things did get dangerous, and I saw a sister point this out a few years ago. It's very ironic how when it was time for you to really get some security because you had hits on your head and you was out here pissing off people in the streets. Just like they do in war, just like they used to do in the Civil War. You got some security, but you made sure that you hired a whole lot of brothers to be on the front line. So that if some bullets were to get flying, you was going to get some brothers hit. You hired some brothers, but you gave them the most dangerous job. You did the most dangerous street shit with a bunch of brothers. You didn't do it with a whole, because he's Mexican and Puerto Rican, a beautiful blend. But you didn't sit up here and put in all your street work with some Mexican cats. You didn't sit up here and put in some street work with your Puerto Rican friends. Them people that got indicted was all brothers. It was brothers that got invited to be indicted. So now that you didn't got all these brothers uh, locked up, now that you've been blackballed from the black community, which is and will always be the very core of the hip hop community, all of a sudden now you decide to try to do this little thing with the reggae tone and it just didn't work. Black folks weren't feeling it. And from the looks of these streams, it looks like even the people in his community, Mexican or Puerto Rican, looks like what he was trying to do with the reggae tone thing just really wasn't flying to them because it wasn't authentic to him. It was just about probably as authentic as when a rapper decides to come out and do an R&B song, an R&B album, where all they're doing is just straight singing. I'm sorry, bro. You're not Kanye West. Kanye West did that 808s and Heartbreaks and he basically decided to just sing the whole time and he pulled it off quite nicely because he still stayed authentic to his roots. When Kanye West decided that he wanted to just start singing and shit, it was like, all right, he's basically just taking a break from doing rap and he's doing R&B, which is still a part of the culture. We could tell from the music that he made that he was definitely well-grounded in the R&B culture. Um, Shouts out to Andre 3000. Andre 3000, one of the top lyricists ever. When they decided to do that uh, speaker box to love down below, Big Boy did a rap album, and Andre 3000 could have easily turned around and did his own rap album 
can say what you want to, but Andre 3000 is always going to be a better rapper and a better lyricist and an overall better artist than Big Boy. He decided to do some singing, but it was authentic because we're like, you grew up on this. You came up on this or whatever. And it's just a part of you. You could tell that he really wasn't about that reggae tone life and he was really just making a mockery out of that. So now you've made a mockery of our culture and you made a mockery of something that was your own culture. He's alienated everybody. He can't work with anybody because he's beefed with half of the new industry and even some old heads. He's taking shots at cats like Snoop Dogg and a few other people. 50 ain't fucking with him no more because 50 is a street guy, so 50 stopped endorsing him once he did that whole snitching thing. And then some of the guys in your generation, rather than joining hands and linking up with these dudes and doing some collabs with them, you decided to just beef with any and everybody that rubbed you the wrong way. And it shows. So it might be over for him as far as music. My friendly suggestion would be you're already phony. Do the best thing that a phony person can do, which is act. Get off into some acting, my dude. See if you can get you some roles. See if you can be the token young Spanish kid slash role player in a few little movies and you can mess around and get millions. This record label, I don't know why they were so gung-ho, but I know that they're kicking themselves right now. And he's going to get dropped from that label very quick unless something turns around. Because you put $10 million into this kid and he's barely getting you $100,000 back. And it's just some sad shit, man. But we all saw it coming. So I hate to say that I told you so, but I told you so. As soon as I found out that this kid was going to come out and not do witness protection and was going to just basically get back to business as usual, I was like, man, that next, that third album ain't going to do like the other ones. I was like, it's, it's, it's just not. I was like, I don't know what he's going to talk about. He also tried to be a ladies man. So he tried a few songs with his old format of... You know, you a big cater, you dick taster. I'ma serve you, cause I'm a waiter. Her pussy's wet, wet. I hit her in the Corvette. You know what I'm saying? Is it stupid, dumb, or stupid? What? He, he tried that for about a song or two. Then he did the whole reggae tone thing. Then he tried to do the what I call the LL. He tried to become a ladies man. And that's not authentic either. Part of that is this. Let me break it down for y'all. That's not even believable. Because you can't convince us that you're this smooth ladies man when your own child's mother smashed one of your partners. Your own child's mother. I forgot who took her out. I, I forgot. He was beefing with so many rappers. Don't even get me to trying to waste time on this precious podcast to figure it out. But some rapper took his baby mama on a shopping spree and she was just right there with him in the mall holding hands and kicking cans then we know that you had a little escapade during the middle of a video shoot with a 13 year old and you got put up on papers for that one you had to go to trial for that one so you wound up being a pedophile you can't keep your baby mama in order 
Then you're sitting up here and you're doing sucking shit with your new girlfriend. You're sitting up here and beefing with her baby daddy. So your new girlfriend already got a kid from a previous relationship and you're already throwing shots at him. So it's like, we can't believe you as a ladies man. Now I will say this, guys like LL back in the days, they probably had their hiccups with women, but everything wasn't so public. Social media wasn't around. Social media can be a double-edged sword. Social media can be a gift and a curse. It can be your best friend or your worst enemy. It can help people get in touch with you and really like you because they get to see who you are. Like, wow, this is a stand-up dude, whatever, whatever, whatever. But also it can expose the fucked up shit in your life. So with what we've seen with his history, his very shaky history with women, it just shows like we're not going to believe you when you're sitting up here and you're making yourself seem like this smooth-ass player pimp on your damn records. So I think he should just hang it up on music. I'm posting this on my Facebook and other platforms, but if I post this on any platforms where you can leave comments, I want y'all to feel free to leave y'all comments. And as much as I'm giving my critique on this album, I would encourage you to listen to it so you can form your own opinion. It don't hurt you to stream nothing. Stream it. It's only about 13 songs. Stream it and form your own opinion what you think about it. I know a good album when I hear it. And during these days and times, I find myself, when it comes to a good album, I find myself going back to it voluntarily so that I can listen to album cuts, not the singles. Because in this case, I could tell that it wasn't about this needs to be a single because it needs to represent for that. I could tell it was let's put out the best songs. And that usually happens. I'm used to that happening. I've been buying CDs and tapes and shit since the early 90s. And whenever it will be a weak album, they would usually wind up putting out the very best songs as the videos. And then when you get the album, there's nothing. You feel gypped, you feel depleted, and you find yourself listening to the same two or three songs that you're constantly hearing on the radio anyways, that you're constantly seeing being played on BET. Yes, I'm from the old school, back when BET and MTV used to actually play music videos. And that's what this album is. It's a damn shame, man. It's a very sad day. I feel like he could have did better during this time of quarantine. And that's something that I'm kind of getting disappointed in this year, period, as I feel like there's only been a few good albums that really kind of grabbed me. Nas King Disease was one of them, maybe a few other. I'm not going to waste my time trying to remember them. I'm pretty sure if they're that good, they're in my collection. I feel like with the fact that there's nothing open, there's nowhere to really go. This is the time where as an artist, you need to be clankering down in that studio. Cats like Tupac and them used to literally go to a studio that was built in a house and they would live at that house for a week or two on end and all they would do is eat, sleep, shit, shower and write music and perform music and they were really digging into it and giving it their all. And this is times when we weren't on punishment. When Tupac made Machiavelli, Don Caluminati, The Seven Day Theory, he did that in a week. And while he could have been at the club, while he could have been at the fucking park, while he could have been at the bar, while he could have been eating at a restaurant of his choice, while he could have been at Six Flags upside down on a roller coaster, he hunkered down. 
and he sat up and made some fire-ass music. I feel like there's no excuse. You're on house arrest, 6 9 There was nothing stopping you from really clankering down and really getting down into the sound of what people want to hear. Even if you had been locked up, there was nothing stopping you from listening to what's going on right now and adapting your style, which wouldn't have been that hard because he's only been locked up for a year. It's not like someone that's been locked up in a jail with no technology for five or six years. He could have really dug in and he could have really made a classic if he wanted to. That's another reason why I feel like he disrespected the, uh, the art form of hip hop, period. You put it out under the form of hip hop. You could have put that out under some pop, reggae tone shit or whatever. But you decided to put it out under the hip hop platform and you decided to give us some bullshit and we're supposed to just take it because it's you. We should just be happy because we could hear your voice. I want to let y'all know something in closing. We talk about mental illness. Reason why I bring that up real quick is because shouts out to my boy Dak Prescott. Go Cowboys. They're getting ready to take the field tomorrow. And not to be switching subjects, but this goes with the subject of what I'm talking about, which is mental illness. He spoke about some things that he was going through because COVID was driving him crazy. His brother committing suicide drove him crazy and it made him slip into depression. See, whenever we talk about mental illness, we talk about the mental illnesses that really bring a person down and bring other people down, which is we always talk about depression. We talk about bipolar. We talk about schizophrenia. We talk about shit like that because those are things that can really hurt you. A person that's depressed could wind up doing something hurtful to a person. A person that's bipolar could flip out and wig out on somebody. A person that's schizophrenic um, one of their nine personalities could wind up doing harm to somebody. But something that we need to address is some of the internal mental illnesses, which is narcissism. Narcissism is something that needs to be addressed going forward. And that's what that boy 6ix9ine suffers from. He suffers from narcissism. And the thing is, narcissism is not something that you're chemically born with, maybe like schizo or bipolar or depression or whatever, but it's an acquired taste. And a lot of times narcissism does come with a very quick rise to fame. Because I know you'll probably say, well, Lewis Black, there's a lot of artists that have been successful that have done numbers like him and they're just as humble as pie. A lot of times people like that, they had a gradual rise. They were able to gradually go into it. A kid like him, he went from not being heard of to all of a sudden, damn near everything you put out there on YouTube is breaking number, breaking history, 2 million views, 3 million views, 40 million views, 80 million views, yada, yada, yada. Next thing you know, it went from damn, you know, you can barely get love at an open mic to you've got sold out stadiums. You know what I'm saying? Sold out arenas, shit like that. You're packing a nightclub, standing room only. And that rise caused the narcissism. You know, at one point, this kid was really calling himself the king of New York. Literally. They tried to mention somebody else like, well, damn, what do you think about Cardi B? Yeah, she could be the queen of New York, but I'm the king of New York. Who did that? And a lot of times what a narcissist would do is they start talking about numbers. They don't talk about the quality of their music. They start talking about the numbers. And if you don't believe me, pull up 
pretty much his last few interviews with The Breakfast Club. I encourage everybody to look up his Breakfast Club interview, especially the last one, because Charlemagne the God, shouts out to him, he was very prophetic in what he predicted. I was like, damn, are you psychic? No, he wasn't psychic. He was just using common sense and putting two and two together, and he told the kid what path he was going down. And yes, I say the kid, because I know that that's a grown-ass man with hair on his chest, but the shit that he does is very childlike. So he was telling the kid what was going to happen. And a lot of times he started breaking down. I did this. I had this many singles back to back to back to back to back. Go this. This many views. This many views. Who else is doing that? Who else is doing that? That's the sign of a narcissist. To put out some bullshit and to expect for it to do numbers and then to be disappointed like that. That's narcissism. And one very hurtful thing about narcissism is not only does it hurt the people around you to a certain extent, it really hurts the person that is suffering through it because narcissism will take you very high and very low. It's one thing for me to take you on top of a ranch style house to do some roof work and then you happen to just slip and fall. You know, you might uh, bruise your back or something like that. But it's one thing for me to take you all the way from ground level and then for me to take you all the way to the 50th floor of a skyscraper and then I drop you. That would kill you. And that's what's happening to him right now. If you've seen the videos, he's ripping down posters. He's resorting to doing old school shit that isn't even a part of his generation. This dude was literally out here passing out copies of his album not copies of his album that are in a case with the nice artwork where you can open it up and read the pamphlet and check out the credits and see who produced what and get a little bit of artwork maybe even get the lyrics written down no I'm talking about straight no case no sleeves or nothing just blank CDs and just walking up to random people and just passing them blank CDs. I'm like, dude, that is so year 2000. I'm like, damn, I'm 38 years old. This is shit that I used to do back then. And even then, I used to have the blank CDs with at least a damn case or a sleeve or something. And it's hurting him. Because it's like I was supposed to come out and I was supposed to be on top. And he could have. But you got to give people quality. A lot of celebrities suffer through that. They feel like they can just bring. Kanye kind of went through that for a quick second where he did the poop, poopity, scoop, floopity back in 18. Scoopity doop, bloopity bloop. It's like you get to thinking that all you have to do is basically breathe, fart and shit on the album. Or should I say, breathe, fart, and shit on the song, and it's supposed to be a hit. We're supposed to be graced by your presence. We're supposed to be graced by the fact that it's you on there. No. It doesn't work like that, especially nowadays. Back in the days, there was a limited amount of artists because you really had to have money to do this. Not only did you have to have money to sit up here and pay these engineers and pay these producers and all this and that, you had to be able to, you know, get yourself some studio time. You had to have some type of means, whether it was a major label or you just having a damn CD burner. I used to have a double deck CD burner myself 
back when I was young in the early 2000s, you had to have a computer, you had to have some way or some means of being able to print out these damn CDs and hand them to people. Nowadays, with the fact that all you got to do is record some songs and then upload them to the internet, put together one album cover, upload it, and next thing you know, you're streaming on all platforms. It is way too many rappers out here right now to be putting out bullshit. You would easily, easily, easily get lost in the shuffle amongst the new rappers and amongst some of the OGs like Nas, Jay-Z, and all them legends in the game that still got it, that can drop some shit whenever they want to, and it'll be highly anticipated, and they're gonna give you good quality music, and it's gonna be streamed over, over and over and over and over again, especially if it's a classic project. And I'ma end the podcast on this. In the words of Jay-Z, you can bullshit with rap if you want, motherfucker. We out of here. Slide, slide in the belly trucker, the rape trucker.